Welcome to the Psychosphere. My name is David Sutcliffe, and my guest today is Jamie Stein. Jamie is a certified core energetics practitioner like myself. We went to the same school, the Radical Liveness Institute of Southern California, but Jamie is also an intuitive healer, a psychic, and well, he describes himself in the podcast. He's a, He's got a very unique and powerful way of working, and I want to read a little bit from his website, hollywoodreadings.com, hollywoodreadings.com, and it says, my intuitive readings are based on the idea that we create our own realities. This means that we're ultimately responsible for all our life circumstances, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Whatever happens in the external world is ultimately a reflection of our internal landscape. I think that's a pretty good framework for the conversation that we had. We talk about the deeper meaning behind COVID. We talk about boundaries as a spiritual principle. We talk about God and we talk about ayahuasca. Please enjoy my conversation with the great Jamie Stein. All right. Well, I'm on your website, hollywoodreadings.com. Jamie Stein is a really cool website. And your tagline, which I think is fantastic, is your deepest struggles are actually the gateway to your deepest transformation. And I think I know what that means, but maybe you could say a little bit about what, what it means to you. What, what does that mean? So what it means to me is that the universe is always bringing us invitations for our deepest learning, our deepest growth or our highest transformation. So I think a lot of times it's very easy for people just to feel like victims of circumstances. Um, for example, the classic example that always comes to me that comes to me a fair number of times actually is someone who has been in a long-term relationship or marriage and found out their significant other is cheating. Um, and it could be very easy to be in a situation like that and to just feel completely despondent, betrayed, hopeless, to get lost in the tragedy of it all or the heartache of it all. And so what I do with people is I help them find what is one in the place where we create and manifest our own realities, what part of you would have manifested the situation in the first place? Why would your higher self create this situation? And two, what is the invitation here for you? If there is a deeper design to this circumstance, what's it asking you to do, to learn, or to grow around? So a lot of times in that particular situation, what we discover is that this is a person who has not been fully expressive in the relationship. Maybe it's someone who's a people pleaser, who's really subjugated their own needs, who's not advocated for themselves in the hope that being the good wife or being the good husband or the, being the good partner 
is going to keep the relationship strong and alive. And so then when they suddenly find themselves in the situation where they've been deceived, where they've been lied to, where they've been taken for granted, there's a real invitation here for them to start advocating for themselves and for them to start putting aside the part of them that just wants to put a smile on their face or to people please, and instead find out what are my boundaries? What are my feelings? What are my needs? Where is my anger here? Where is my grief here? How do I express these feelings? And it becomes a vehicle for them actually getting connected to themselves and really asserting that so that as they navigate what they want to do in the relationship, they're not coming from a place of like, oh, how do I make this work out? Or what's the right choice to make? Instead, they're, in, they're willing to undergo or undertake a process that comes from a place of what do I need here in order to weather the storm, to get clear on whether this is the right person for me, what do I need here for us to do this work together, and how do I not abandon myself? So by the time they come through the other side, they've learned skills of actual honest communication. Do you think we do co-create all of the situations that we find ourselves in, even a situation like that or some kind of tragic situation? You think, like, I think... We're, well, that we're, particip we're active participants in it, unconsciously maybe, and that, and that when, we're, when we look at it from that perspective, we can see where there's an opportunity for us to grow and change. I think so. I do think there's always an invitation. I mean, I think there are different types of circumstances. So yeah, I think in that type of thing, when it comes to relationship, I think we're almost always co-creating um, the circumstance through our choices, both conscious and unconscious. Um, I think that there are certain energetic, emotional and spiritual patterns that get set early on. And I think we definitely do attract experiences, people, places, and things that vibrate at that same frequency so that we get a chance to possibly work through it and work it out. I do think there are different types of circumstances. So for example, you said like bad things happen. So like maybe someone randomly dies. It's not so much like, oh, I co-created this, um, like therefore I'm to blame for this, but I do think that there can be invitations still in those experiences. So, you know, for example, my dog recently passed away. Um, and to me, that really felt, I personally believe that animals hold things for us, pets hold things for us. They kind of come into our lives at a certain point for a reason and they hold, um, they hold space for us. And I think that my dog passing away, no, did I co-create that in a way where it's like, it's my fault that Bobby died? No, but do I feel like I'm in a deep life transition this year in that his passing was kind of passing a torch and sort of releasing me to move forward into the next phase of my life? Yeah, I absolutely do feel that way. So for me, there was a deeper meaning in his death. It wasn't just like, oh, he just randomly died and now I'm devastated. It's like, okay, he, it's, it was time for him to go. It was time for me to move on to the next leg of my journey. Maybe this is a good time to just t say a little bit about the nature of your work and, and, and how you came to it, how you frame it, how you think about it. Like, what is it that you actually do? I mean, you're a, well, I don't know. I'll, I'll let you say you're an intuitive healer. 
Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of language you could use to describe it. I use the word intuitive, empath, psychic. Uh, you could definitely use the word shaman, although I tend to stay away from that because it's become very trendy. Um, but basically, I am someone who primarily what I'm really able to do is to drop into someone's unconscious landscape and basically channel their unconscious thoughts and feelings. So if you come to me with a particular issue or something you're struggling with, um, you know, you don't have the things you want in certain areas of your life, what I can do is I can drop into you and I can feel what parts of you are holding yourself back in certain parts of mm -hmm. your life, what parts of you are saying no to the things that you want and why. And then usually what happens in that process is I'll also start to get a lot of information about who you are in your essence, who you uh -huh. are in your higher self, the soul in you that wants to be expressed. So yeah, we explore the higher self that wants to come through. We explore the lower self that's saying no to that higher self and why. And then through that exploration, what I tend to be able to do is to help you see and understand how the current circumstances of your life or your current, challenge, your current challenges are asking you or helping you, if you choose to see it, to access those parts of your higher self that have been dormant or to access the feelings in you that have gotten blocked that need to be felt and expressed in order for you to have more access to all of who you are. Um, having said that, I also do get information from spirit. I will get psychic hits. Um, I can also drop into people who, you know, aren't in the room. Like if we're talking about your mother and father, I can sometimes pick up on their energy. I can start to intuit what they feel towards you. Um, so it's kind of like a smorgasbord of a lot of different <laughs> types of like intuitive information. Smorgasbord. And where, how did you develop this? Where did this come from? How did you know that you had this talent? How did, how did it evolve? I don't know. <laughs> I never know how to, people ask me this all the time and I never know how to answer this question. So, um, but when did it start I, for you? When did it start? When did you have a sense that you had, uh, uh intuition towards people and, could understand them in deeper ways or, or at the very least, I guess we're, we're curious uh, about well, people in that way. In retrospect, what I know now is I always had that intuition, but I didn't know it for a very long time. So I was always experiencing other people in the world in a really deep way. And I remember, yeah, from a very early age, being able to look at someone and literally seeing the way their eyes would move from right to left and I could like get information off it. I could see their anger somehow, or I just knew when people were lying, there's just a way that I experience and read energy that I've always had, but I didn't know that was happening for me for most of my young adult life. In fact, well, we probably, I probably all kids can do that. It's just, it's like, we're doing it intuitively, instinctively, the way a dog reads energy. I mean, I mm -hmm. think all humans being can read energy, but there's a way in which you, you're able to bring it into your own consciousness and be, and discern it and articulate it and be very specific about it. That's that to me is what's unique about your work.
Yeah, I definitely combine, I guess you'd almost call it the head and the heart. You know, I've got kind of an analyst's mind. And as you know, I mean, I used to work in story. I was a script consultant. I taught screenwriting. So I've got that critical thinking mind. And then I do have a sensitivity to the deeper energy and the unseen realms. And I do think part of what's cool about my work is that, um, yeah, I think, I'm a, I think I'm a pretty good translator. I think I'm able to pick up on the intuitive information and then I'm really able to put very specific an intentional language to it right. that helps people to really understand. And it is interesting that you say that because a lot of times in sessions, um, there will be an experience of me choosing certain words and people will say things to me like, whoa, like when you just said that, I got it. And something happened for me energetically. Um, and that was something I had to learn. I, I Part of me is saying this because I want to say for anyone who's listening to this, for me, there has been a real process of having to learn what it is I'm doing and the value of what I'm doing. And I now see so many other people not doing that for themselves, you know? So there's been a huge part of this process for me of being able to own like, no, to me, Jamie, it might feel so simple and second nature to just provide a certain type of language that comes to me intuitively and then think nothing of it. But part of my work in this work has been my ability and willingness to realize, oh no, wait a second, there's something I'm doing here that's specific to me and it's of deep value to the client. And I, now I love helping other people identify that for themselves. So the things that they're doing that they might take for granted, that's actually their special unique talent. Well, and I, that's the question that I have is like, and I've, I obviously have known you for a long time and I've watched you go through this transition and, and find yourself and, and, and get deeper into your work. But, you know, you, you talk very casually about, you know, psychic and energy and the unconscious landscape and, you know, how long did it always, which a lot of people on the outside could maybe, maybe your parents, maybe people you grew up with, uh, maybe people from your old career would see that as weird or unusual. And how long did it take you to really own uh, your your wisdom, your gifts, your your work? Or are you still in the process of owning it? So when I started doing intuitive readings, um, yeah, I mean, yes, I was putting myself out there as an intuitive for sure. There's definitely been a big process for me, especially from someone who has therapeutic training, um, to transition out of feeling like I'm in a certain therapeutic modality and in dropping fully into, no, I am out there now as an intuitive energy worker. And um, it has been an ongoing process. So yeah, you know, I think I've come far in that, but I would still say, honestly, I'd say right now, I feel like I embody it 50% in terms 50%. of like, if I feel into my capacity to fully own it and to fully walk through the world as, Hey, I'm a guy who's working with spirit and who's doing things on a spiritual level. I think I own it right now. 50%. I, yeah. So if you were to, uh, do an intuitive hit on yourself mm -hmm. and it's like, why do you only own it 50%. What's, what's the blockage inside you that stops you from going all in and uh, owning yourself and expressing yourself fully? 
Well, I don't think I'm blocked. I think I'm in my process. Mm. And I think my process is steadily unfolding. So, right. and, and, but to answer your question, I think, I think there is fear here for me. I think that, um, I am really, really, really deeply sensitive. And that's mm. something that's been very hard for me to let myself own. I used to have a really critical voice in my head that said, you're being precious, you're being dramatic, people are gonna roll their eyes. At this point, the gift of the work I've been doing is I now know I am deeply sensitive. And so- And I can, that, I can back that up. I, you know, I was in a training program with you for three years and uh, you are deeply sensitive and you have a very powerful intuition and you see things, you see things that other people don't see. And you are, uh, you don't get caught up in the, the politics of things or the ego of things. You really just are able to see what's going on in a non-judgmental way, which is, it's very powerful. You're just looking at it. You're observing it. There's no judgment. And, and you, uh, yeah, you, there's, and you get to the essence of it. And, uh, or you just say what's true for you. And often that is enough to at least get the ball rolling in somebody. Mm -hmm. the, yeah. Thank you for that reflection. And, um, I think what that means for me though, I think part of the reason why my system needs this gradual process is because it does need to know like, Hey, we're doing this slowly and steadily because I do feel people on such a deep level that um, I think it would, I, yeah, I just think it would be kind of like um, almost reckless to just throw the door wide open. Is it about boundaries? I think it's about boundaries. I think it's about energetic boundaries. I also think um, a lot of it probably has to do with potential success as well. You know, I just, I mean, I wanna be clear at this point, I actually feel a real, um, things are going well for me. You know, I have a successful business. I have a steady stream of clients. Like I, I really love what's happening and it's great because I've really, I don't have any picture of what this needs to look like. And I truly can say like, I don't need to get any bigger than I currently am or any more well-known than I currently am. Having said that, I also want to say like, I feel the potential for my own success. I mean, it's a little bit of a strange word to use. I would say I feel the potential for greater and greater visibility. I feel the potential for more and more people kind of coming to know my mm -hmm. work. And I think there's something around modulating that too. I think there's something in me that's just, I, I want to go slowly. You know, I want to go yeah. slowly. Well, it's I no don't. small thing to put yourself out there in the world because you, you open yourself up to criticism and judgment and scorn and derision. And the, the internet is cruel. People are cruel. There's that. And there's also something in the place where I am sensitive. There's just something that's very, it's like, I feel protective of it. There's just something very tender in me. And there's something very, it's not, you know, it's not delicate, but it's gentle. And that's something that's been revealed to me over and over and over. You know, I used to do a lot of ayahuasca ceremonies and so many times those ceremonies would just reveal to me just this really tender, gentle place inside me that just feels like it needs protection. And to be honest, I haven't done a very good job <laughs> of protecting that part of me in the past. And so I think that's a part of this. Like there is just this part of me that's kind of like, oh my God, we need to, we need to go slowly. I need to know this is modulated. 
And yeah, one step at a time. Like that's kind of the, those are the words I'm hearing for myself intuitively. Mm. Yeah, I can see that it's probably important for you to be really kind to yourself. So when you say that you need to go slow, that 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 feels good because I, you know, when you say there's this sensitive part of you, um, it makes me think that it got missed when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't really seen or recognized, and so you had to cut off from it and, and be something else for your parents, for your environment. And, uh, so the reclaiming of that sensitivity, which we, which, you know, we, we, I, I feel that too. Yeah. And I think, I think we're all really sensitive. Some obviously, uh, more than others, but, uh, we talk, we talk a good game about wanting to, uh, hold space for little boys and even little girls sensitivity and their softness, but it's not really how it plays out. Uh, life is, is pretty harsh. And, mm-hmm. uh, I know from my practice and all the groups that I've done, and obviously there's a selection bias, people are coming because they're struggling. Nevertheless, the, uh, the amount of trauma that's out there, the, the things that happen to people are horrific. I mean, it's one yeah. horrific story after another. I remember teaching a workshop and we went around, and people just started talking. Everybody went into the things that happened to them as children. It was it was shocking to mm-hmm. me, and I I'm noticing that there's more conversation in the culture about this, about trauma in general, and there's more people doing work like you and me. Uh, it seems like there's a, a need for it, and there's an awareness uh, around. Uh, the, 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 yeah, the trauma that's that's happened to us and the need for healing. And maybe that's part of what's happening right now. I know you're you know you're not as interested in the in the cultural aspect of things necessarily as I am. But I do wonder, like what what's your take on COVID like spiritually or energetically as an entity, as a as a phenomenon? Do you do you have a sense of of, of the meaning of it? beyond the, just the, the virus? I mean, I think there are a lot of meanings. Um, the one, you know, I'm always hesitant to speak about it because it is true. I, I do tend to very consciously block out a lot of media. Um, and so sometimes I'm just not as informed as a lot of other people. Um, but I will say from the beginning, the, the theme that's resonated most deeply with me and that I've seen, um, in terms of my clients and just what I am picking up on from the collective is definitely what is our relationship to the unknown? What does it mean for us to surrender to the unknown? Um, I think there's been a real invitation around surrendering old forms, you know, so that plays out collectively in terms of, um, you know, just even the logistical things of how everything's changing, everything's going remote now. Um, you know, people's businesses are changing the way that people are running their lives are changing, but then on an individual level, you know, what, what's not working anymore, what doesn't work anymore. And are we willing, I just think, you know, from the beginning, 
there was such a rush for people to cling to what they felt was normal. And there was such a conversation around like when things get back to normal. And I just really felt this bracing against the reality that we aren't going back to normal. And so for me, I've always just really been feeling this thread of, are you willing to surrender to what's actually here? Are you willing to surrender to the unknown? Are you willing to let go of the old and make room for the new? And how do you navigate that process for yourself? And how do we navigate it as a collective? Um, That's a lot of what I've been feeling. Maybe it's stating the obvious. I don't know. No, that's, that's, that's what I've been feeling too. And I've been struggling with wanting to surrender and trust everything that's going on. Really, even the conflict, even the, the division around everything and, and what I would characterize as some of the misinformation and lies about what's going on and to, and to somehow trust it all. Like, what, else, what other choice do you have? Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that feels like when things go out of control, which they are, when we're in the unknown, there are forces that seek to control. Mm-hmm. And it feels to me that there is an oppressive force. I don't think it's conscious, but that there are, you know, unconscious uh, forces inside people uh, that we are spinning into chaos that want to control things. They want to tell us to stay at home, wear the mask, and that they, it's not literal. Uh, those things are, are real, and, and they may or may not be the right thing to do, but but there's a, it's, it's like an expression of some impulse about the fear of the unknown. And so there's this, the, some of the leaders are like, we have to control things, stay home, cover your face, which, you know, you could say is like a muzzle. And right. I can feel my intuitive, re, like, push back against that. Like, fuck you. Don't tell me what to do. Don't try to oppress me. I'm going to do what I want. I'm free. And so I'm, I'm struggling with the, the part of me that wants to go to war essentially against mm-hmm. what I perceive it may just be my own projection, but what I perceive as, uh, an oppressive force and the other part of me, which just says, no, this is all part of it. We're all part of some larger humanity consciousness, just surrender to all of it and mm-hmm. trust Mm-hmm. And maybe I even have to trust the part of me that wants to fight against the oppressive force. You know what I mean? To trust that energy, to trust that inside myself, that that's, that's necessary too. Yeah, that's what I would say. You know, I mean, to me, it's interesting. I do find myself, uh, I am getting a little bit more, or actually even a lot more interested in the culture, as you called it, and in, 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 in the politics of what's going on lately. And I just, I do find myself getting curious about all the different viewpoints. And I, and I feel the validity of all the different viewpoints. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I really do. I really feel, um, I feel the energy and the flavor of the voice that says, you know, what are we doing? How are we handling this? This is insane. You know, yeah. like question authority, question the information. And I think, you know, skepticism is healthy. We should be skeptical, especially in a time like this. And, and then I also hear the wisdom of, you know, we don't really know what the fuck's going on. And, you know, we're being told this is how we, 
you know, we, 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 in a way kind of play it safe for the good of the collective. And this is sort of what we're in agreement to as a society. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, I feel that. So for me, it's almost like different hats that you get to try on. And I think right now, um, I'm just taking it all in. That's how I've been since the beginning. You know, I mean, I think from the beginning, there were people asking, like, what's this all about? And I was like, hell if I know, this is just getting, you know, this is just getting started. And so I think for me, I very much feel, um, yeah, in an information gathering phase. And I do, it's interesting because for a while, I didn't want to see anything on social media or see what anyone was saying. It all felt like noise to me. It didn't make me feel good. Now I'm actually starting to take pleasure in just looking at the different things different people have to say. And I actually do DM people. And I'm like, oh, can you tell me more about this? Like, I, I am like, I'm interested to know more about, you know, kind of what you're saying about so-and-so being evil, you know, or, um, yeah. or, or ask people questions like, okay, so you're telling me, like, you're showing me video footage of empty hospitals saying, Hey, no one's actually, you know, here suffering with COVID in the hospital, but can you tell me like, where did that footage come from? Like what hospital is that? From? Right. Is that from like a New York hospital or is that from like, you know, nowhere, Connecticut? So I, I just am kind of having fun, you know, sort of exploring all of it and we'll see, we'll see where it goes. But, you know, this is all just to say, I agree with that instinct you said at the very end of what if there's wisdom in all these different voices Yeah, and where will that take us? Well, it goes back to, you know, where we started with this question about your deepest struggles are actually the gateway to your deepest transformation. I mean, look at COVID and everything that's happening through that lens, like what, what is the invitation for us as a, as a culture, as a people? And, and what is the meaning of it? And, and what is it trying to show us? What is it trying to teach us? I know for me, I mean, everything you, you, I mean, you just said a lot about that, but I know for me, it feels like it's, there's an urgency that's happening for me. Like uh, things that I've needed to deal with for a while that maybe I've been putting off. It's like, yeah, no. <laughs> you got to deal with that now. Like you got to let go of that shit now. Like it's evolve or die. Like we're about to recreate the world and uh, we have to be looking forward and we have to have all of our energy available. And so any place you're still holding yourself back or still attached to the past or still holding on to an old grievance or still holding on to shame and self-judgment and self-loathing, like it's, it's time to release all that uh, because the world needs to be built anew. And, uh, and I, I feel that energy inside me and, you know, crisis comes and you need to be your best self. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I think what's going on is we've probably been asleep for a long time. I mean, the last time we really got rocked really was like world war two, you know, where we really understood the nature of things. Yeah. Nine 11 was bad. But to really like see the truth about reality, like how dark it is and, and how uh, uh, chaotic the world can actually be, I, I don't think, I think it's been pretty chill times for most of the West. And I think this is a wake up call uh, in some sense about the true nature of reality and of civilization, that civilizations rise and fall and that chaos is... Uh, is not the exception, it's the norm. Right. As so is I, the unknown, yeah. Yeah, as is the unknown. So it's like there's something about, like it's forcing us to come to terms with that. And I, I can feel it inside me. I can feel the place that I've, I've been a boy. 
Like I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've been, there's been some refusal to really grow up because I haven't had to, right. but it's almost like this moment, like, like a war, you know, a boy goes to war. He's coming back a man. Like you see what you see and you do what you have to do. You come back a man. Now, this is not that necessarily, uh, or not at all, but, but it, it is doing something, uh, to us psychically, uh, that's for me forcing us to deal. And of course, that's why I think you're, you're seeing ma- all kinds of expressions of that anxiety and of that fear and of that, uh, just, just terror really. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily believe any of the stories around it, you know, like this, the, the, there's, the stories are just the manifestation of, of the feeling underneath, but there, there is protest. Uh, there is rage, there is upset, there is, but to me, it's all an expression of, uh, fear and probably, and I think, you know, the irony of course, is that both sides think the system is rigged. I mean, that's, what's interesting. Black lives matter and the Antifa crowd. They're like, we got to tear down the system. Well, the people on the right who voted for Trump, that's why they voted for him. Mm-hmm. For the same reason, like this system is fucked. So it's interesting that on at the polarity, you know, when you go to the edges, the, the impulse, it may be a different expression of it or different political philosophy, but the impulse is actually the same. It totally is, you know, and that's kind of why at this point, you know, it's just so funny to me because I'll see things like, um, you know, the, the I mean, this feels like a uh, sort of denigrating way. I, I'm gonna. I was gonna call them the conspiracy theorists. I, I feel like that sounds patronizing. I don't. No, mean to be patronizing, no. I think but... the conspiracy. Th- I'm one of them. We like it. Yeah, conspiracy. Okay, theory. so you know, like you'll <laughs> see things like the conspiracy theorists say things. You know, they'll they'll sort of question the numbers in terms of like false positives and like the death rates. And then, but then they'll post things like, this is your daily reminder that, you know, we shut down the economy for a flu that has like a 97% survival rate. And then I'm just kind of sitting there like, okay, but wait, where does that number come from? Like, you know, you guys are so, you know, you're attacking your side for fucking around with numbers, but did you just pull this 97% out of your ass? It's, so it's just, it is. Everybody's full of shit. Exactly. And so, um, you know, I, I've said this to you in private, but, you know, and, and especially in terms of the political stuff, it's like, I'm so interested in what everyone has to say, but where I start to check out, and of course I end up checking out a lot, is, you know, the second anyone starts to say things like, Democrats are like this, Republicans are like this, uh, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm blaming you, the energy of blame, Anything like that, it, it's just like, I just check out because I'm just like, you're doing the exact same thing that the people, you're doing the exact same thing you're accusing other people of doing. Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, it is just that very, um, it's the old Christ teaching when you've got a finger pointed at someone else, you've got three point, three, uh, three other fingers pointed back at you. And it's, it's just, um, it, it's a little disheartening. I won't lie. Um, yeah. You know, when I see... <sighs> I just see this energy that wants to kind of, yeah, demonize and vilify another side and tear them down and then say things like, well, all liberals are like this, all Republicans are like this. And it's just like, you don't even see, this is the problem. It's not the fact that there's another ideology. It's this energy of blame. It's this energy of finger pointing. It's this energy of making sweeping generalizations about other people. And I, and I think you're right. You called it an expression of fear. 
the words I was hearing were excavation of fear. That's part of what, you know, you ask about, you know, the possible deeper meanings or significance of COVID. It almost feels like a collective dream of like excavation of fear. It's almost like the the terror that's gripping us right now and that desire for control. You could almost look at that as like a huge metaphor for ego, just struggling to hold on to control in the face of, as you said, chaos, the unknown, this place where we are not in control. And we're not, you know, we're not in control. And COVID just wipes or rubs our noses in that. This reality that we are never in control. And I think part of the sleep you spoke about is this sort of complicity of like, oh yeah, we generally feel like we're in control. And suddenly the rug got pulled out from under us. And it does feel like this kind of death rattle of ego, like holding on for dear life. Well, it's almost like uh, an individual process uh, that, you know, in, in how we would think about it, uh, being played out in a mass scale. And so the first part of it is you, you, you do come to terms with uh, your, what we call the mask, uh, the false self and the lies that we have been telling ourselves. And I, and I see a lot of that. Like, I think that's what's in the conspiracy theories is this idea that uh, we've been lied to, which I think is true, that the media has been lying to us, that the experts have been lying to us, that they are incentivized not by uh, telling the truth, but by manipulating us. And that, that that's a real thing that I think more and more people are waking up to. And, and we were complicit in it. We, we bought into it. But I think there was a time where we, we just, you know, we obeyed. And we listen to authority. And uh, I think that's that's over. And which I think is really positive because I, yeah. I'm wondering, why do we need government? Why do we need even a president? Like, I, I heard somebody say this, like, we had kings and queens at a certain point in time. That's just, that was the norm. And now that seems preposterous. And maybe there's going to come a time when the idea of presidents and prime ministers will mm-hmm. seem preposterous that we don't actually don't need leaders. We can lead ourselves in some way. Obviously, we need government for services and all of that. But there's something that's what's waking up inside me when I look mm-hmm. at all these these institutions and and also the, these people screaming like you got to pay attention to the authorities. You got to obey the authority. I'm like, no, I yeah. I have to be my own authority. Yeah. I'm a free, I have to be free and sovereign and I want to encourage everyone else to be free and sovereign. And I can respect other people, but this like there's something inside me where it's like you tell me that I have to stay home. Like I don't have to do anything, man. Like, yeah. It always has to be a choice. And if you ha- if you have to mandate it, then then you don't really have any power. Because if yeah. you really had power, you could persuade us all. And so there's something like I just have a natural reaction, like when somebody's like, you got to you have to do this. So I just and I think there's a lot of people feeling that way, waking up to this. And I think a part of that process then is disillusionment and Mm -hmm. despair. And then it's like, well, then what is what is real? Everything that I thought was real is not real. You're telling me the news is lying to me. You're telling me the CNN is actually just a reality TV show, basically that's driven by ratings because it's a, it's a corporate entity that has to please their corporate 
clients, their shareholders. I mean, this is this is what it is. Sixty percent of their advertising is big pharma. So of course they're not going to say anything bad about pharmaceutical drugs, which we all know are a plague. So there's right. all kinds of stuff that we're waking up to. And I'm not saying that to be cynical. Uh, I'm not no. saying because I think it's just like that's just what happened. And it's all, mm-hmm. I think people, we, we tend to act in our own self-interest. We tend to blind ourselves to things that ultimately don't serve us. And we tend to rationalize. And I think that's what's, what's happened. All of us on some level are part of it. And we're waking up to it. And that wake and waking up to it is fucking painful. Yeah. It's painful when it happens inside us. When we wake up to the lies that we've been telling ourselves and then have to face them and then realize what we have to do to get to the next level, to get out of the situation that we've, we've put ourselves into. And then who are we? Who, who the fuck am I if I'm not this thing that I thought that I was? You know, And that's a scary thing. And it, yes, it takes us into the unknown. And I think that's where we are collectively. And I think that's part of the struggle and part of the fight. Yeah. And I also think we are in a process, you know, so it's, it is about trusting the process because this is a massive collective process. And, um, you know, when I hear you talk about people waking up to the fact that reality as we perceived it perhaps isn't reality to me, that brings in the spiritual component. You know, if, if we operate from this idea that this very, world and life that we're in is in a way not quote-unquote real in the sense that this is kind of all a big theatrical stage for spirits to come down and you know to 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 master lessons and to learn things and to spiritually evolve and then you know once this lifetime is over our spirits return to the godhead you know we're learning something here as a collective about what it means to question what we have taken for granted as reality and to start seeing the simulations within the simulations. So it's kind of exciting from that standpoint. And it's almost kind of like what I was saying in terms of my own process of I'm allowing myself to go one step at a time. It's like we are in a profound, deep process now. And so I think part of the invitation for us to use my own language is around the willingness to be in the process, to be in the discomfort and to realize, yeah, like all the things we're talking about, we're not getting neat resolution to this anytime soon. And I think it's so interesting too. Part of what was coming up for me as you were speaking is this idea of like energy is getting activated in us, right? Like strong, urgent energy and knowing. And at the same time, we're literally in lockdown. So there's this contrasting experience of like awakened energy that we're basically being asked to learn, I think, how to hold it, how to contain it, how to like kind of cultivate a container for it. And to me, when I say that, I'm hearing the word mastery. So, you know, I do think, you know, I think spirit is, is issuing an invitation to a lot of us around mastery right now around like, how do you hold this process How do you hold your own emerging energy while also containing it and let yourself be a witness to everything that's happening? It's, it's interesting that I resonate with everything you're saying. And there's something about to the masculine and the feminine, like because of feminism, however, maybe it's going on since the sixties or whatever, there's been this, uh, 
the rise of the feminine, of the female, which you could say is uh, the concern about the environment, the feminine being kind of the wild, the intuitive, and nature of nature. I mean, it's a basic understanding of it. But, um, and that that needed to be explored, that needed to be opened up. It was certainly opened up inside me because the, uh, the rational, the scientific, the logical has been what's dominated the culture for hundreds of years and seen as the, uh, the only way to, through which we can understand the world, which is, is not true. So it feels to me like the, the chaos is, is feminine, right? And it's all of this energy needed to be released that had been held down and repressed for a long, long time. But now we have to bring some order to it. We have to bring some structure. We have to bring boundaries to, to that energy. And so when you say the words mastery, that's, that's what I think about. Mastery takes discipline. And those are sort of uh, masculine principles. And that's what I notice is happening for me. I've spent the last... 15, 20 years, well, more, 25 years of my life really focused on the feminine, becoming an actor and an artist. You open up to these creative, intuitive parts of yourself. And then when I got into the Cornegetics work, led by a woman in a predominantly female school, and I got a lot out of that, really, you know, getting into these these other realms of being, the, you know, the instincts and and all of it. But now I feel this desire in me to bring order to my life. Like I have to bring order mm-hmm. and structure to this, uh, this energy and, and everything that I've learned. And that's why I'm writing now, because it's like, I have all this information and ideas in my head and it's great. And I can articulate it at different times, whether I'm talking to you now or whether I'm talking to a client, but it almost like it demands that I order it. And that's why I'm sitting down and write it to organize the thoughts, to bring structure to it. And it did. So it feels to me that that's also part of what's happening and maybe the staying home that's I mean literally we are boundaried and we're forced mm-hmm. to work with this those confines and yes master and contain this energy so that it's it can be channeled and used in a way mm-hmm. that's uh about uh growth and uh uh and, and just moving forward and building new things new structures so it's just it's interest it's just really interesting to me you know, and again, and it makes me want to trust it. And that also, you know, we're not in real control of things. No. Like I, I and I feel that too. And you, you really feel that as you get older, where you're just going along with life and you, you better be, you know, you better be able to flow with it, dance with it, because it's, you can't really control things it's like the mastery comes from, which is the masculine. It's like the mastery comes from being able to dance with mm-hmm. the wildness and the chaos of life mm-hmm. and holding it lightly mm-hmm. and being able to guide and direct it where you can, but knowing that you can't actually put your clamps on it and really control it because that's just going to create uh, more problems. So, I, I, yeah, I feel, I feel a little bit of that uh, going on for me. Mm-hmm. And it feels good. It's really yeah. interesting. It feels good. Like I want structure in my day. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's funny. I, this is one of the principles I teach. Uh, I work with some clients on an ongoing basis. And one of the things I love to teach is I think boundaries are spiritual. You know, I think boundaries I are a spiritual exercise. And it's funny because a client of mine recently was saying, um, she was saying basically, 
she kind of felt in some ways having soft boundaries. This is more in terms of personal relationships was the more spiritual path because we're all one and I should be giving of myself and da, 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 da. And what it made me think of is like, you know, this idea that we, we come from a place where we're all unified. And so part of the journey in coming down to this earth, if you believe in this, which I do, is to be individuated. You know, it's to be separated right. from the Godhead. It is to experience the constraints of physical form, of time, of gravity, to be ripped from divinity so that we can then, um, again, I mean, it's about mastery, right? It's we can sort of move through this world, deal with our ego, deal with the pain of separation, and then through that, find these moments of enlightenment, find these moments of God which then allows us to know God more fully, right? Because we've been separated from it. So when we experience it, it's like, oh my God, this is revelation. We have a deeper experience of what it means to be connected to that spiritual foundation. So from that point of view, part of the point of our existence here is to experience these limitations or these boundaries. And so that's why for me, boundaries do feel like a very deep, spiritual conversation and then when you extrapolate that in terms of just how you live your life it's like it is it's like writing a story right there's a creative energy behind a story but at a certain point you have to make choices about the characters and 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 the sequence of events in order to direct and channel the creative energy of the story yeah our lives are we are a source of creative energy and so we have to make choices in our lives about how we're directing our energy and i think our choices are all connected to what do we want to say yes to? And what do we want to say no to? And those are our boundaries. And so for me, it's like when I'm helping a client get clear on their boundaries and then follow through on their boundaries, for me, I'm not coming from a place of, oh, this is about your emotional wellness, or this is like therapeutically sound. I'm coming from a place of your spirit in order to be um, fully expressed in its full vibration, you need to direct and guide it by following the impulses that are moving through your body that want to say yes to some things and want to say no to other things. And when you start making those decisions, your energy is going to be free to run in the way that it wants to run. And then the universe is going to be able to fully meet you in the place where it wants to meet you. And so that's why to me, boundaries are truly a spiritual conversation on every level. Um, And so to me, it just kind of speaks to what you're saying. Yeah. Like, bringing in the structure, bringing in the discipline, following where you want to say yes, following where you want to say no. It it is a way to direct your energy in relationship to the chaos of life. Boundaries are, it's a tough thing for people. It's a a tough thing for me to always Mm -hmm. say what's true for me because I'm afraid of the the ramifications. And and certainly, you know, there were ramifications when I was a kid uh, having my boundaries. You know, there was... (laughs) There was, uh, they weren't met uh, uh, in, a, in a nice way. So it's like a lot of us are walking around feeling like we're not allowed to have our boundaries. But I agree with you. It's one of the most important things. And I think it is a, 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 spiritual, a spiritual principle. And just w- with that, what is your relationship to God? Like, what is your conception of God? I mean, can you even talk about it? Because I've been thinking a lot about God in the last couple of years, and I feel like more people are talking about God. And I, I said this a couple of years ago, conservatism 
and I don't mean political conservatism, more the conservatism that we're talking about, boundaries and order and structure, right. is going to be the new cool, and that God is going to make a comeback. And I see that happening. Yeah. People are uh, wanting God. What is God? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I pick up on this flavor of God in this conversation, and I've actually been having images of fractals and, and uh -huh. all sorts of things. But then I'm like, okay, but I'm also talking to Dave. So I don't know what part of this is your field that I'm kind well, of. I, was, I was literally just about to use the word fractals uh, three minutes ago, talking about I, order. Like, well, that, that you look out in nature and it looks like chaos, right? It's a mess. But when you go deep down into it, it's all fractals. It's complete right. order. It's total order. Nature. And it came to me when we were talking about the COVID thing. I just suddenly mm. got, I just suddenly saw like fractals, you really? know, just this idea of higher design, the underlying sacred geometry of things. So, um, well, that's what Madre yeah. shows you. What was that? That's what Madre shows you. The underlying yeah, so design I'm, to everything. Exactly. You know, but then I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, I know I, I'm curious. It's like, is this, <laughs> is this my conception of things or am I feeling into kind of your flavor of things? Well, let's, I just, feel what like I, let's just talk about it. Like with what's here, like, yeah, it'll be different. I say, you know, I talk about it differently every time. I'm still I mean, figuring I, it out. Yeah, I definitely, you know, I, I really love this book that I'm sure some people have read called Journey of Souls. Uh, by Dr. Michael Newton, who's now dead, but he was a hypnotherapist who would do past life regressions with people. And then he came to realize that he could regress people to the space between lives where they're spirits. And he started regressing a lot of people to the space between lives. And there was all this uniformity in what everyone was saying about kind of what happens between lives. He really paints it as this picture like, you know, soul groups and classrooms and they're learning. And then you go into like a little auditorium where you get to choose your next life. And it's set up very, you know, like a little, like, you know, like a book with characters and sets and whatnot. And, I, you know, I don't know if that's like literally what happens in this other dimension, but I do, I do accept that now as a reference point for sort of the underlying energy of what's going on, you know, in the unseen world. And so, you know, I do come from this place of we are here to learn, you know, that there is a, there's, this is an impermanent body. You know, my ego is an impermanent identity, but there's a permanent soul expression um, that's moving through these different lifetimes. And this soul expression just wants to keep gathering more and more information on its path of consciousness and evolution. So it just sort of keeps coming back down into these different lifetimes and merging with different egos to have different experiences. And, you know, hope and ideas that through our human free will, will we will as human beings sort of accept the task that our spirits intended for themselves. So if my spirit comes down saying like, I really want to learn and know things around my creativity and sexuality. So I'm going to choose this guy, Jamie, and I'm going to come into this certain family situation and get wounded in a certain way. And then hopefully what he's going to go do is he's going to go and he's going to heal and he's going to become this like intuitive guy and he's going to do this work and, you know, he's going to learn all these lessons. Um, you know, I think that's ultimately the point for all of us, um, you know, to kind of complete 
the learning and the mastery that we came down here to complete and to learn. And so my source of God in context of all that is this force of creation. I think that all spirit comes from, and that in that, like the, 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 you know, the force of creation, it wants to express itself. You know, it wants to be known through expression. And how does it express itself? It expresses itself through all these different shards of spirit, learning all these different lessons and evolving and growing and then returning to God. And it kind of, you know, informs itself in some ways. There's, there's the fractal. It kind of feeds yeah. itself. Yeah, I like that a lot. I've been thinking a lot about God in terms of the light and the dark and probably probably because of the work that I've been doing with the Lakota and uh, Native Americans. But this idea that um, life and death is one thing, good and evil is one thing, the light and the dark is one thing. They're inseparable, obviously. It's the yin and the yang, the masculine and the feminine. And that uh, God, my conception of God, holds it all and has no preference. Mm-hmm. No preference. It doesn't. It, it, Gandhi, Hitler, what? God's like, okay, sure, yes. whatever you guys are doing. Yeah. And I have no preference. It just there's just an isness to it, and that is radical. I think for a lot of people, it's, it was radical for me when it. I got the vision of it, which was literally on my vision quest. That mm. was the information that it, I was asked to uh, absorb and integrate. And it felt incredibly true. And it, it, there's something about it that, that actually uh, you then have a choice. You see the choice much more clearly. When you realize that God doesn't have a preference, well, then you, can re- you feel like the real impulse to want to make the choice. And that, that hell is essentially uh, a distortion on earth. Uh, that it's uh, a distortion of our, it's our higher self turned against ourself. And, and, but also that evil serves a purpose. I mean, there's a great book, The Lucifer Principle by Howard Bloom, where he speculates uh, intelligently that evil is, uh, is part of the evolutionary process. You need evil and you need evil people. And it's interesting to me how fascinated we are with people that are evil. I mean, Hitler gets a lot more ink and attention than Gandhi and Mm -hmm. Trump, who many people think is evil. Everybody can't stop talking about him. The best character, the most talked about character in star Wars is Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some, something, uh, and I know I'm kind of skipping around a lot here, but there's some some relationship that we have with evil, some kind of fascination. And I think uh, embracing it and knowing it inside ourselves, and I know, you know, we, we, we've, we've talked about this a lot, the lower self, the idea of like really embracing the evil that exists inside us. And, and the irony, of course, is that once you do, once you know it and you know it in the world and you accept it, that's when you can actually are free to make real, real choices because you're, you're fully conscious. If you're in denial of the evil that exists in the world or the evil that exists inside you, your potential for cruelty or, or the desire, the unconscious desire to want to do harm, you're much more likely to act 
on it in, in subversive ways. But if you're aware of it, I mean, I feel, I feel the impulse now and I'm not ashamed of it where I, I want to hurt somebody or I want to humiliate them or I want to make them bad or wrong or I want to expose them. It's like, okay, there's, there's that part of me. Interesting. I feel the part of me that wants to go to war. I'm like, yeah, just, you know, bring it like, uh, you know, provoke me. I'm going to get my gun and, and go crazy. You know, like let's, let's do this civil war thing. I want to, I want to kill some, some zombies, you know, like I, I, I feel that part of me and, and I just, I just try to be with it. And, uh, so that's my, I guess, you know, conception of God in a way, or at least how I'm thinking about it right now, that God is just with everything without judgment. I mean, that to me is what Christ consciousness Mm-hmm. is and that there's no real way out of the suffering like mm-hmm. we have to suffer we don't have to suffer unnecessarily i think attachment can lead us to greater suffering but there's no way to be in this life without suffering i mean i feel it. i'm 51 i'm getting old i'm not old i feel great but i'm getting older i feel my mortality i'm gonna die i'm gonna get incapacitated at some point like uh, you know and what's that going to be like that ain't going to be a good time or maybe it will be but there's and i'm going to lose people you know then the older i get and who knows what could happen right it's there's no escape from it and there's something about like god for me demands demands that you accept it and be with it yeah which is not an easy fucking thing to do because we want it to be easy, we want it to be soft, we want it to be comfortable. I mean, or do we? Maybe we don't. I mean, John Cassavetes had that great quote. He's like, people keep saying they want their life to be easy. Really? Do they? Because nobody <laughs> nobody seems to actually do anything to make their life easy. They, they continue to do things that make their life harder. And, and maybe there's a reason for that because we want to be tested. We, we want to grow. And we know that the only way to do that is by, is by, you know, keep risking. I mean, you're, I mean, you're doing it now. You're in it right now. It's like, you want to expand, you want to grow. You, you got to confront yourself. You got to confront your fear and you got to, you, you're open, you expose yourself to, to all kinds of things. But I mean, what, 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 what choice do you have? What choice mm-hmm. do any of us have really? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, It's just interesting because when I hear you talk about God um, inviting us into a certain firmness with the totality of the experience, it does make me think of ayahuasca ceremonies. And that's something... You know, that's something I stopped doing a while ago and it, I felt no call to go back into it. But hearing you speak, you know, suddenly I'm feeling the deep value of that. I'm like, yeah, you know, because those ceremonies require or they ask of you that level of firmness with the totality of the experience, which can be quite difficult. Yeah. Um, at t- I mean, very difficult at times. Yes. And I, I don't know. I'm just suddenly... I'm finding myself in appreciation of the value of that experience and the holiness of that experience of like really staying with the difficult process and being 
firm with yourself there while also allowing yourself to have like whatever feelings are coming up. I mean, again, it's the word mastery. It's like, how do you allow yourself to have the full experience and to have your feelings and at the same time contain the experience as a witness and, you know, as, you know, part of being a witness, I think is bringing God into the experience, you know, having that bird's eye view of a bigger picture and a process that you're in. It's, you know, I mean, we're asked a lot. A lot is asked of us as humans, <laughs> as little mortals, you know, with our egos. There's a lot that's asked of us, but we're also very strong, you know, and we do have this capacity to grow and to change and to, and to, and to meet our lives or these situations. So I'm suddenly feeling in this place, like the support, <laughs> I'm feeling the support from the guides. I'm feeling the support from like spirit. It's just, you know, they're very supportive of us. I think. It's funny. I was going to ask you about ayahuasca mm -hmm. uh, leading up to, uh, to our conversation for some reason just popped into my head. And uh, so it's interesting that you, uh, that you brought it up. I know the last time uh, I was there, I think the last time, that you sat uh, at uh, in Joshua Tree, and uh, yeah, you, yeah, I understand. I, I mean, I, I haven't sat since uh, January, and feel like I'm kind of kind of done with it, at least for now. I don't know, but I got a lot out of it. Uh, I learned a lot. It's very very powerful, but it is deeply challenging. It's deeply challenging. I mean, I think for me on a personal level, um, it did just start to feel like too much. For me, I think, be, again, yeah. you know, in the place where and it's funny because the medicine, it several times gave me the message like you might want to think about this. And, um, you know, like I was saying before, it would reveal to me. I mean, I remember I remember the first time this happened where it would reveal to me this really gentle, tender part of me. And then it revealed to me over that I had this armor. Like this was the part of me that was just fucking fighting to heal, you know, dragging myself through, you know, the training that I did, dragging myself through all the self-help that I do. And it, and it was basically saying you are so there's something so tender and gentle inside you. And then I remember it just telling me, like, you might want to lay off this for a while. And I remember that's when I took my first break. I took like a year and a half break, you know, but yeah, I remember there was just one really, really, really difficult ceremony where I, I really do think I brought through past life stuff, lineage stuff. And, um, I was, and then I was seeing the fractals and I just remember hearing this message that basically was saying, um, they were saying, we're so proud of you. You're doing great work. We're so happy you're doing this work. And then what they said though, was you don't ever have to do this work again once this is done, if you don't want to. And then it said, and actually you might want to think about never doing this again because you could go crazy, you know? And so I, I don't know. I listened to that. And I do think I'm someone that the veil's thin for me in regular daily life. The no, last time I did it, it was so strong and the container was so wild. It was just out of control. It was too many people in the room and, mm -hmm. I, uh, and I was somebody who had tons of experience and I, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't land. I couldn't ground myself. I couldn't, I didn't know what was real for about two, three hours. I couldn't find reality. I was lost in the somewhere, some other dimension. And it stayed with me for a while. I mean, I was messed up for a while 
And I still, to this day, get little flashbacks of like, is this real, man? Do you know what's real? Like, what is real? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, it's, and, and that's, you know, going back to what we were talking about, that's everywhere, right? Like social media, the news, I mean, what we're being fed, the experts, it's like, yeah, it's, it's hard to know what is real. But uh, I could feel the place where it's like, ah, yeah, I, I may, I, I think I had enough. I don't know that I need to uh, go deeper into that. I think what I need to do now is actually ground myself. And I'm up here in nature. I know that's real. And just kind of focus on the simplest things, the food that you're eating, you know, the hike that you're on, the meditation, the soft pillow underneath your head as you sleep. Like just keep everything really simple basic. And that was the message that I received. And after being in Hollywood for 20 years, where it was all about money and fame and cars and extravagance to get to a place of, you know, I'm living a pseudo monk's life up here. Not exactly, but, and it feels great. Uh, you know, in some way, I don't want to say I've never been happier because there's, you know, I've been happy, but I'm pretty happy right now. But the potential that I feel uh, from this place, the simplicity, the basicness, the structure that I'm building, it just feels like so much can flourish in this garden and that it's, 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 it's not time for me. It's no, I don't need to question what is reality and what's not real. I'm never getting to the bottom of that. Okay. It's this, it's an endless, you can go down that rabbit hole to the end of time and just exactly make yourself crazy. And I could feel that I could make myself crazy here. And it's just not necessary. Well, that's the thing. I mean, ayahuasca is really serious. And I think that that's part of what was going on for me too, was I, for a long time, I was really uncomfortable with the culture developing around it. I don't want to make it sound like I'm some old pro because I'm not, but I will say I did start sitting in ceremony. I would say kind of the moment right before it started getting a lot more. Yeah, you were, you like, were way ahead. You were years, I mean, years ahead of it becoming a popular thing. Yeah. I mean, when I first started doing it, if you said the word ayahuasca, people didn't know what you were talking about. And I, I didn't know what being, you were talking about. Yeah. And I was told like, you don't talk about this in public. You don't use the word ayahuasca. Like it's still kind of strange to me to be on a podcast talking about it. Cause when I first started doing it, I wouldn't talk about it. And if I referred to it, it was only as like the medicine or grandmother or whatever. So I think especially sort of coming from that background where there was still that sense of like, you know, I want to say sacredness, you know, protectiveness, taking it really seriously and then sort of watching it get bigger and bigger and bigger and sort of seeing this kind of casual attitude towards it. Yeah. I was just like, this just doesn't, this doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't feel respectful of what this is. And, you know, I mean, it is interesting because in certain readings I will get, a feeling for someone that it's something they might want to explore. And it's crazy because every single time I bring it up in the rare cases that I do, the person will say, Oh my God, I've been thinking about that. Or someone just mentioned it. And, but I always tell them the same thing. It's just like, go forth and do it. Like if you're called to it, but just take it seriously. Like don't go to any Tom, Dick or Harry, like trust your gut, like shop around, go to the situations that feel good to you. I mean, we know someone who like literally got injured 
You know, so it's just like, I just feel like you've got to really check in with yourself around, is this the right thing for me? Is this the right person for me? Is this the right circle for me? And like really having a strong intention and uh, this is becoming like a PSA, but it does in a way feel like an urgent message, like take it seriously. And then also too, like to speak to what you're saying, the real work, by the way, isn't even in the ceremony. The real work is also then going back to your real life. Yeah, applying what think, you learn to your life. And the willingness to integrate it because that is where mastery truly is. I mean, right. even as difficult as the ceremonies can be, there's still kind of this thrill of the peak experience. You know what I yes. mean? But then you got to get back to your home on Monday, you know? And I do see, I've seen people who are chasing the thrill of the next ceremony and the next ceremony and the next ceremony. And it's like, that to me, that's not where life is. You know, life is in what you're talking about. It is in sort of being at home, the life that you're setting up for yourself. And are you willing to have that grounding of like, okay, I just had this peak experience. Now let me actually like do the task of showing up to the quote unquote real world, you know? So, you know, it's, it, there's a lot there. Yeah, I'm glad, and I'm glad you made it a PSA because it needs a PSA. Uh, you know, it's it is serious. It's no joke. And for anybody listening to this, you know, yeah, you you you, you need to feel a strong call. And then I think often uh, you have to trust, you know, the synchronicities that that you'll find it somehow, some way. Like just just trust, just just trust. And I at the beginning, I, I you know, I made the mistake of of uh, prophetizing about it, you know, and, and you got to do this, you got to do, you know, and I, I don't do that anymore because I was so excited. And it was so powerful for me, but, but now I really, uh, you know, if people want to talk to me about it, if, if they're curious, if they have questions, I'm happy to answer. And if they really feel really drawn, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll point them in the right direction, but, uh, yeah, it's no joke. And it's definitely not for everyone. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 anyway, um, Jamie Stein, anything else you want to say? Anything that feels important? Anything? I mean, there's a lot we didn't cover. We could talk for hours and hours and maybe I can have you back on at some point and we can, you know, you could do a reading for me. Um, or what's that? Part two. Yeah. And, 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 you know, uh, you, I'll, I'll bring something that I'm unclear about or struggling with because, uh, you, you, you are very intuitive. I mean, I have worked with you before, uh, and, uh, it's really, it's powerful to, uh, to be in your presence and, uh, you, yeah, you have, I don't know, I don't know where the fuck it comes from. I don't know where, you know, but it just, and it's it often counterintuitive, uh, the things that you're like, what, wait a minute. And then, and then once you kind of integrate, you're like, oh, that actually makes perfect sense, which is why it's so interesting. Uh, it's not always what you think it's going to be. And that's what I like. That's what I like about it. You're not, uh, you have no agenda really. You don't, you, I mean, you have a philosophy certainly as you've just articulated, you know, but there's no real agenda other than trying to get to the truth. Uh, about somebody's uh, what's blocking somebody's essence and what's at the at the core of their essence that wants to come through and be expressed, and of course that can come through and be expressed in an infinite infinite ways.
that's what I love about it. That's what I love about the work. And I think that's what I learned from the training program we're in. It's like this idea that all you have to do is show up to the moment and trust yeah. what's there. Yeah. And then, I mean, that to me is sacred geometry. That's fractal. It's like, right. I, whatever is happening for me in the moment, if I trust it and lean into it as a source of information rather than trying to make something happen, that's that to me is the creative process. That to me is working with God. And as far as my experience of working with people goes, that's really where the magic happens. So I, that's what I love. I love being in the unknown. And I am actually someone like, I'm someone who likes change, actually. You know, I always welcome it because it's like, who wants everything to stay the same all the time? It's so boring, you know? It's like, energy's meant to move in the flow. And I think, yeah, one of the chief ways we allow it to flow is we, we are willing to be in the present moment and to be in the unknown and to see what's here and to let it change. And like you said, to hold it loosely. So yes, I love doing that in sessions with people. It, it, it feels a little magical for sure. Jamie Stein. Thank you. Thank you.